for a purpose. Nobody summons Megatron. Then it pleases me to be the first. All right, everyone, welcome to an exciting, exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers. That's right, we're doing it a little bit different. It's double exciting before the show even starts. Because we're talking about a topic that we love, and to start this out, I must say, fate rarely calls upon us at a moment of our choosing, because we're talking about Transformers. That's right, we are talking from the 1984 cartoon series that was a giant commercial for all of us little, little kids. Um, Clear up to the new Netflix series that will be coming out the end of this July um, which is fairly exciting. It's it's amazing to me how this uh, this franchise started out as literally a commercial for the toy. You know, the Absolutely. toys were they they got the uh, the rights to push out these Diaclone uh, toys from Japan under a new name with you know all of this really cool stuff. And by accident, you know, as they're trying to pitch these toys, they, you know, they're like, there's a cartoon, you know, they're trying to follow, they were trying to follow this, what the success of what He-Man was doing. Um, and G.I. Joe. And G.I. Joe, yeah. And Star <laughs> Wars, actually, you know, Star Wars kind of um, sort of, I don't know, I, I don't know, they weren't the very first to do this, but they definitely improved upon uh, the concept of toys for IPs, right? Yeah. Like, they just brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, Star Wars, the toys for Star Wars is what, if you look at some of the, the history and some of the documentaries, is really what revolutionized modern toys right now. You know, most of the toys we had before then weren't that great, especially robot toys. Robots were, Truth. you know, they were made of tin and wind up, and they weren't really that cool. They, they were uh, all Robbie the Robot and Sparkers. Yeah, yeah. And then we get these toys that are vehicles or planes or guns that transform into robots. You know, robots in disguise. They and, were way and, more than meets the eye. Yeah. And then we get the cartoon. And the cartoon was fabulous. Yes, if you go back watching it as an adult, you can kind of see the flaws and the errors because they're rushing them out. You can see the bloopers where they've reused, you know, material. And one scene you see certain robots running, and the next scene you see another robot that wasn't there, but then it disappears. The next scene, uh, there are times where uh, Rumble is the wrong color and. I, there's just there's a lot of goofy things that you see and you know they were trying to save time they're trying to get these out as quickly as possible but it was a phenomenon that ha has survived i mean even for a while there transformers just disappeared off the face of the earth here in the u.s and it remained big in japan but shortly after the uh the movie uh, Transforming the animated movie, which still is one of my favorite soundtracks, has one some of You've the greatest the touch, songs. Daniel. I know, and it was th that song has lasted so much that it even showed up in the Bumblebee movie. And when I heard that, I yes, was just it like, did. "Yes!" Um, it was so but, fantastic. But it just it, it like it it died off, and then we kind of got something with Beast Wars, and then we and then it. It's kind of resurrected. It's growing again. Um, kids are loving it. I know Michael Bay, as much as I'm not a big fan of his version of the Transformers, it did create a resurgence, in my opinion. Yeah, we should talk more about that in a moment. But let, let's go back to the original. Back to the beginning when we fell in love with this franchise that is Transformers. Um, Do you want to I, I'm sorry. I, I was going to jump ahead. in because I was going to. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you first. Yes. Um. Do you recall your very first encounter with Transformers? Yeah. I mean, I was. So this is the funny thing. So back in the day, you know, we had the old VHS recorder where you had to switch toggles and that to get it to record. My parents did not know how 
to program the VCR to record anything. You know, they just knew you went up and they, you hit the record button. And for all you young whippersnappers out there, the whole concept of programming the VCR was like a complete, it was a whole bit for comedians everywhere for like 20 years. Yeah. It that became the thing like all the way like all the way through the 80s and most of the 90s it was always a jab at someone to talk about even just setting the clock on oh, a yeah. VCR let alone setting the timer or any of the other controls. And Daniel's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, at this young age, um second grade. Yeah, second grade. Wait, wait hold on. I'm trying to think. 84 uh, yeah, I was in second grade. Uh, so switches and toggles. I figured out how to program the VCR so it recorded every morning my epi- my my uh, Transformer episodes, so that I could watch them after school. Um, and it, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I mean, I even remember GoBots. For those of you that don't know what GoBots are, it's because it died fast. Uh, it was really poorly written. It was goofy. You know, Leader One just was not an Optimus Prime. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, um, and I had both, tr- you know, both robots, but the Transformers were just so much cooler. Uh, my first encounter was way back then. Uh, I remember seeing it on TV for the very first time and just being hooked. It was amazing and fascinating. And how can you not? be drawn in to this epic battle between good and evil of Optimus Prime and Megatron and the scheming Starscream that's trying to take control of the Decepticons but just can't seem to do it at the right moment. Um, and then you have you know, characters like Bumblebee that's just the everyday uh, buddy. I mean, him and Spike are best of buddies. and uh, It was just really cool cartoon and there was always a really good message almost in every episode so that's that's the earliest i can remember it's clear back in second grade watching it and just being transfixed and then my grandma just kept buying me transformer action figures (laughs) like crazy which was awesome uh my first my first encounter was like oddly identical to yours uh well straight yeah so in our household we also had a VHS VCR and uh, anytime that we wanted to see show you see children out there you you young people <laughs> um, it was we did not have the interwebs and there was no such thing as a DVR and you know if you wanted if you wanted to watch something on TV you had to watch it when it was on yeah. there was a schedule or you missed was, it or you missed it and, and that was it um we had a we, you had something called a TV guide that would give you all the listings every month of like every show or every week or whatever. Uh, and, and you had to be there or it was gone. Yep. And it, very, very different way of ingesting media than what we do today. Uh, and, and so like as a kid, you know, that conditioned us in certain ways. One of the things that happened was that it, we, we would record shows that we really liked so we could watch it again and again. Yeah. But we also had a VCR where there wasn't a wireless remote. That our first VCR did not have a wireless remote. It was a it was um, a top loader, and yep. Dad knows what I mean. You you pushed a button yep. and a mechanical a mechanical uh, tape holder would go like, <laughs> yeah, and yep. it was it, it was it had no electrical parts that made it. It was just it was just the springs and everything the pneumatics that would like push the thing up. And you put the tape in there, and then the remote you would plug in via wire. And the remote, seriously, was a switch that you flicked up and down. It was a sliding switch. It wasn't <laughs> even like a light switch. It was a sliding switch. So like click up, click down. And one was pause and one was not pause. And so you could hit record. And then when the commercials came on, you'd pause. And then when the commercials were over, you'd unpause. And you had to be really good at this. Yeah. Because And, and the goal here was twofold. One, you didn't really want to record commercials and, and watch them later, right? Because then you have to fast forward. And yep. the other thing is that... These were tapes. Tapes have a limited length. It was, you know, video cassettes are reel-to-reel tapes. And so you're trying to conserve so you can fit as many episodes on there as possible. One day, my older brother, I was the youngest of three at the time, and um, my older brother said that uh, his show, it was actually G.I. Joe, as I remember it. He said, hey, I want you to record G.I. Joe. 
and because tapes, you know, have limited resources, he's like, and nothing else, Josh, do not record anything else. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I was like, like, yeah, I was like, I, I think it was first grade or something, first or second grade, I think it was first grade. And, um, and then he had, he had to go do whatever it was he was doing. I got home, I watched the clock, I got the tape in there and I hit record for GI Joe and we get through GI Joe and I'm bleeping out the commercials and stuff. And while we're there, they had a commercial for this new show that was coming on about these robots in disguise. And I was like, that looks awesome. And I thought to myself, I bet my brother would like that. Of course, I would like it too. But I could just sit there and watch it. But So I went ahead and I like broke his request and I recorded it anyway. (laughs) And, And so I recorded this show and I loved it. It was, and it was the very first episode. It was the very first time it aired. It was the very first everything. I was like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then he came home and I was like, Matthew, Matthew. He, he said, did, did you record G.I. Joe? I said, yeah. And another show. And he goes, Josh. And he got like mad at me at first. And I was like, no, no, no. Sit down. Watch this. And so then we watched it together. And we both fell in love with it. And just like you, I, I at the time, my mom had been divorced from my biological father for, I don't know, a couple years. Um, and so we were living with my mom's parents and my mom. And so we were with my grandparents. And sure enough, it became, th- there were certain things. If, if we had a birthday, if we had a holiday, if there was a gift-giving event, it was Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and Transformers. Those were the things you did. And you could get us anything, and we'd be happy. Yeah. Just uh, just yesterday, I had a friend who was staying with me from out of town as he moved to a different state, and I was trying to find some of my collectible memorabilia that I have. Uh, I was trying to find something very specific, and so I ended up having to like go through several boxes because the stuff that was already unpacked it was not there. So I was trying to find it, and in the process, I unearthed nearly every transformer I own to this day because all the stuff I got as a child and all the stuff my brother got as a child, he gave to me later in life. And so I have all of our transformers, all of them. And I have everything that we've been able to keep over time. We were kids, things broke. My very first transformer toy, my very first toy, the original Optimus Prime with the die cast metal body and the trailer that opened up and had a cannon that was like, I think in the show once. And, you know, and and then um, I got that one. And I forget what his first Transformer was, but later down, not not long after that, I got Megatron. Nice. And so I had like both of the leaders and neither of them survived my childhood. I played with them relentlessly and they're, they are now lost to history. But I still have like amazing pieces from the Gen 1 Transformers. You know, when I was in, it must have been third grade, I think it was. So... That would have been um, 1980 – what year was it? 1987, 1986, something like that? Hang on. I'm thinking it through. But about 1987, we had this one Christmas, and it was – in in my childhood, I lived in a time where we had more than we needed. We we weren't like rich, but we were like – I would say upper middle class for a period of time there. It was the Reagan years. My mom was a realtor. She was recovering from a divorce, and that was a very 80s thing too. And it just – things went our way. Um, But there was also a period of time in my childhood where we lived in abject poverty. So we kind of like – I did the whole like bell curve experience. You know, like I lived a very poor life. I lived a very full life as a kid. just depended on the year. And this particular year was the year of more than plenty. And – my my siblings and I still talk about this to this day. We had there was one Christmas where we had gifts. Um, we all gathered together at my grandparents' house, and we had gifts that went from the floor, literally to the ceiling. And yes. we ran out of we ran out of wrapping paper. We'd start wrapping things with butcher paper. We weren't butchers; <laughs> we just had a roll of butcher paper. Yeah, I um, had one as a kid too. Yeah, yeah. I drew on it all the time. It's the best for crafts. Yeah. It's the best for art. Uh, and that year was the year. That I got one of the most collectible Transformers. To this day, it is one of the most collectible Transformers. I still have it in the original box, although it's worse for wear, but it's still in the original box. And I played with it a ton. It has very minor use damage and stuff like that. But I played with it because as a kid, you should play with your collectibles. It's just yeah. a fact. Um, I have – I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. 
maybe I shouldn't reveal it yet. Maybe we should talk about our most like prize transformer later. But that year was the year that I got my most prize transformer. Okay, folks at home, you cannot see what I see. <laughs> is is that an original 1980 what 1983 84? No, no. So I actually so a couple years ago, uh, my so 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 a few years back, I, I found out um, who my real dad was, um, and uh, you know we we started building a relationship, uh, gone to Comic Con stuff like that together. Uh, so one year, as a birthday gift, uh, he gave me an unopened Optimus Prime, original uh, '84 unopened Optimus Prime, because that was my favorite toy as a kid. You know, Star Wars, Transformers, He Man. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have that. the GI Joe; uh, it was He Man. But um, so he gave that to me. I still have not opened that up. However, Walmart recently did a rerun of uh, the old uh, Gen 1 uh, Transformers. So I ended up getting the Walmart one, and I opened the Walmart one while keeping the other one closed. So the only You're difference man. the Walmart one is it does not come with the trailer. It was what? very disappointing. It's just the cab. Um, and it was quite expensive for just the cab. Uh, is, is the body metal or plastic? It's all metal. So it's, it's rubber okay. wheels. Uh, it is metal. It does have the plastic see-through windows. It does have the plastic chrome, like the old one. Even has the yeah, removable yeah. fists, uh, yep. the the plastic smoke pipe. But it is mostly metal, which is fantastic. Um, I have a bunch of others. I have a, an original Starscream. I have an um, an original Rodimus Prime. But I also have ordered a bunch of the. Uh, the masterpiece series where it's are really well crafted. They look a lot more like the gen one cartoons. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't have a huge collection. Um, I do have five different versions of Optimus prime. <laughs> I do have two hot rods. I have two Rodimuses, no three hot rods, three, two Rodimuses, a stinger, uh, ultra Magnus, a Megatron, uh, two different bumblebees. I even have the original bumblebee. The, the little Volkswagen. Um, nice. So I don't have a lot of Transformers like I used to. I had a ton as a kid. Um, but unfortunately, uh, my mom over time just decided, oh, he doesn't want them anymore because they're in a box here. And so she got rid of them at uh, garage sales. So I've slowly had to get those back. But I, I do have my Optimus Prime. Nice. But Yeah. Yo, so I never had I never had Starscream. But did I, I did. I so an adult. I think I think after Optimus Prime, I'm trying to remember the order in which I got these, but I got Optimus Prime. And and to be honest, when I got Optimus Prime, I didn't even I, I, I as I recall, I did not understand his significance. I didn't realize what role he played, even though I had seen I, I, I I'm trying to remember if I got the toy first and then I saw the show or if I saw, saw the show first, then I got the toy. I think they were very close together there. Um, but I got Optimus Prime first and it was awesome. And then I think my next Transformer was actually Thundercracker. So, nice. so Starscream is one of three F-15 fighter jets. Yeah, and seekers. and he's what's that? Yeah, he's one of the three Seekers. Yes, one of the three Seekers. And uh, Starscream is Megatron's right hand man, which is always weird because like he's he's Megatron's second in command. But of course, Starscream always wants to be in command. He always wants the throne, always. And Megatron always keeps him in that role. And the moment Megatron is in any trouble for any reason, you know, Starscream is like, well, I guess he's abandoned to his fate. I'm the leader. You know, yeah. and then that was like every episode. Every episode, Starscream is like, I'm in charge now. It was, it was just the weirdest thing. Um, but I never had Starscream. I had Thundercracker. And Thundercracker was like his stoic sullen deep voiced he it, thundercracker was like starscream's second in command and then the third one uh was um oh the name is i just had it a second ago it was thundercracker it was uh, skywarp skywarp was like the purple and black one yeah so thundercracker was the blue the navy blue one um so i had thundercracker but i never had starscream and because of the way that you know the role that he th this is the genius this is the genius of making a cartoon to sell toys 
if you tell a good story, then the toys inherently have a hierarchy of value. Yes. And they have built in they have built in rarity, they have built in meaning, all that stuff. Because in truth, Skywarp, Thundercracker, and Starscream are essentially the same toy mold with very little variation. The way that they introduced most variation was via the sticker sheet. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, whenever you got one of these toys, especially the Gen 1s, you would open up the box, you would get the toy, and the toy was basically like the mold and everything put together, and and, and it was a fully functional toy, but the little details weren't present. The little details were on the sticker sheet, and yeah. then there was an instruction book that showed you where to put every sticker. Every sticker was numbered, had an orientation, and you had to put the sticker where, well, you were supposed to put the sticker where the instructions <laughs> told you to. Now, some kids, I remember being a kid and being so frustrated with some of the neighborhood kids who had blatant disregard for these <laughs> stickers. And they would like put the stickers like on their trapper keepers, or they would put yeah. the stickers wherever they wanted, higgledy piggledy, or or they would put it where it belonged, but slightly askew. And it just drove me bonkers. I could not handle it. I don't know yeah. about you, but I just oh, I could not stomach it. I so my my re-releases that came through Walmart, same thing. You had to put the metallic stickers back on there. And I meticulously put those on. And you know, I had my tweezers and I'm like, okay. Yep, looking at the the thing. Okay, yep, I got it the right way. I, I was the same way as a kid. Um, the other thing uh, that I was notorious for as a kid that drove my parents nuts, but they were completely amazed, is I would always take my Transformers apart so I could see how they worked, and then I would put it back together without losing a single piece. And there's like, how do, do you remember all those parts and where they went? And I, I just did. But I was fascinated by how all these parts moved and and it flowed uh, to combine it together. Uh, and there were some, I will admit, there are some really weird uh, Transformers that didn't, their their toy did not match um, the, oh, their cartoon. grossly did not match. You know, Ironhide and Ratchet are the yes. biggest ones that I can remember that just, they had no heads. They, they literally had no heads. And, and I know why, you know, as an adult watching the documentaries is because, they were supposed, you know, the toy that they bought was a mech. You know, there was supposed to be a guy behind the windshield that was driving, and they're like, "This is Ironhide," but he he doesn't have a head, and you know, <laughs> they pretty much gave you this weird sticker that you'd put there, and that was his face. And I I always remember like I really want a ratchet and an Ironhide, and then I'd I saw the toy and I'm like, "No, Never I mind. don't. No, <laughs> I mean I do now. I mean I've seen some of the masterpiece versions and they they look amazing, but oh, of course, um." But those old ones, I just know. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of Decepticons. Uh, Decepticons were not uh, Transformers that I ever got as a kid. Uh, I had very few. I never got a Megatron until I was an adult. I never had Starscream. Uh, never had Soundwave, and I want a Soundwave. Oh, oh man, Soundwave, dude. I want Soundwave. Um, but I had quite a few Transformers, and, and I love them. I mean, I had Metroplex. Uh, Ultra Magnus, uh, Perceptor. It, yes, he sort of worked as a uh, uh, Perceptor is a character I just never understood. Why he turns into a giant microscope and floats around? Why? What well, you do you see? <laughs> well, he was the science officer. You know, in the cartoons, they it was weird because like the the robots could all be relatively the same size to each other when they were bots. Some were a little bit bigger than others. Yeah. And, and and the really special ones were massively different, right? But but whenever they would transform, they would change size. Like Megatron would stand uh, a head taller than Starscream and Skywarp yeah. and Thundercracker and a bunch of the others. And then he would like transform into his Luger uh, or his Ruger, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And... And then he would like land in Starscream's hand and then Starscream would like shoot him at things, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got Perceptor who's a microscope with treads, with tank treads. Yeah. And and then like he would like turn to a microscope and then he would aim his lens at things and just like shoot focused light, just bam, bam, bam. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little microscope. But what was cool about that was, was um, you know, you had you had Transformers that as the toys, they would they would be functional as the toy and then they would like be useful in other ways like perceptor the scope actually worked for a limited magnification mind yeah. you, but the scope actually worked yeah and and so that was like 
really impressive that they were able to get that to work. Um, uh, you had Soundwave, who was a ghetto blaster, and then you actually had Ghetto Blaster, I think was yeah. his name. No, Blaster. His <laughs> oh, it was Blaster. Yeah, yeah. and he was a boombox. Yeah. And and um, they like, even though they didn't actually play music, the the smaller bots that transformed in, into cassette tapes actually fit in the tape yeah. decks. Like they just they did that was those toys had such amazing detail and quality. Yeah. Um. And in fact, because of that success, anytime you get into any piece of media that is highly successful, of course, you end up with offshoots and ripoffs, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, do you remember GoBots? Well, yeah, I mentioned that as I was talking. Uh, GoBots came out, they were they were competing. They came out at about the same yeah. time. Um, and GoBots faded away fast. That's because, well, that's because they were just riding the hype train, right? Yeah. And and if you I still have, I, yeah, I still have a I have a bunch of GoBot toys. <laughs> um, I still have a bunch of GoBot toys, yeah. uh, and and they were smaller than Transformers. Mm -hmm. They were a bit more affordable than Transformers. Yeah, they were. They had less detail, and their transformations were extremely cheap. Yeah. Like I'm gonna tuck my legs up and put my arms straight in the air, and now I'm a scooter. Um, what? Um, what? Yeah, that was the that was the main villain. Uh, what was his uh, name? Psykill. Psy yeah, Psykill. He, he was the easiest thing. You just kind of scooch his legs up, you put his hands up, put a wheel in there, and he, he was done. He was yeah. Like, what the heck? You know, and he Leader One. Yeah, Leader One, the good guy Leader, was a mm -hmm. jet, and his transformation wasn't that much more difficult. No, it was, like, it was like arms to his side, I think yeah. pushed in. His yeah. legs pushed into his body. Yeah, and and then he had like the nose, cone, a nose cone that just like flipped over like a hood. Yeah, and now he's an airplane. And then you fold the wings down and you're done. In um, fact, there was there was a an episode of I think I, I want to say it may have been the first episode of Shira, where they had a crossover of He Man to introduce Shira, yeah. um, and Shira was fighting these large robots that were attacking her planet, and they would like transform in quotes and i kid you not it was it, it, it was it, it absolutely puts the cherry on top of the ripoff move because like one of them would like jump in the air and then using like stutter animation uh the, basically he extended his legs outward and his arms forward and now he's just flying and he's supposed to be a ship but really it's just a robot with his legs and arms extended like th that was that was as much effort as they put into it yeah, and I was like, "Wait, he like, he's a vehicle now? He didn't even look like a vehicle. He just looked like he looked like a robot doing Pilates, and like, <laughs> and and then he like would fly and then shoot lasers out of his hands, um, and so that that was like the cheapest ripoff. And then going back to GoBots, their thing like their weapons were always their fists, but not like for punching. Their hands would always shoot energy beams. Yeah, and but there was no explanation as to why or how." That was just their weapon. And as the toys, as the toy line, it was extremely cheap and simple. And they made a lot of money. But Transformers, especially like the Series 1 and Series 2 Transformers, like everything from, from Series 1 through like 1985, 86, um, they were like complex toys. They yeah. were complex. And if you, you learned the rule, don't force it. Because mm -hmm. breaking Transformers was like the easiest thing to do by just being a frustrated kid trying to transform your toy. Well, I I think still today that original Megatron is the hardest transformer to transform. Yeah. I mean, it was he was not easy. not easy. And even the Masterpiece one, I haven't even dared transform because I started and I'm like, uh, nope, he's staying a robot. Uh, yeah. I'm not even going to try this because the way the chest moves in, around and I'm just, no. But, you know, the, thing that, the thing that carried transformers out definitely is the cartoon the storyline the fight between optimus and megatron um that was that was the epic epic battle you know megatron just didn't care he was a jerk and optimus prime was the hero he he believed in everyone and you know it, he was he wouldn't he wouldn't leave a man behind uh we saw that week to week um and i really feel like you know and and I love the Transformer series, but I really feel like season three and four failed. 
Um, now, I don't know if people realize these, but the seasons were long. It's not like the current yeah. seasons we had. Uh, yeah, they yeah. were they were especially long. Yeah. Um, go ahead. And so when I'm talking about, see, you know, we're talking about two seasons and then we had the animated movie. We're not talking about eight to 26 episodes. We're talking about 30, 40 episodes a season here. Uh, there, there's a lot of content. But then we had the animated movie, which was epic. It was fantastic. There was a great soundtrack. Uh, we got introduced to a, a lot more interesting characters. And, and I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to wipe the slate clean. Let's introduce some new robots. Um, and let's, let's, let's fire this up again. But they failed. It really failed because they killed off. So many Autobots, so oh many gosh. Decepticons. That I mean, the first what fifteen minutes of that movie is just a slaughter. I mean, we, yeah. we watched two years, two seasons of them fighting back and forth and them getting damaged, but somehow they always survive till this movie. And we're just watching people this get movie wiped was brutal left and right. And then we, you know, you see so many beloved characters dying. And then, you know, I'm I'm sorry to say this. But this has kind of become a running gag. Optimus Prime died. Spoilers. Um, and this was the first time anyone has attempted to kill off a major character like this. Mm-hmm. I know G.I. Joe had a movie coming out and they planned to kill off Duke. But because of the reaction that happened, they changed that storyline. Yes, they did. Um, because and, there and was... The, their movie was a made-for-TV movie. In fact, I, I think they may have wanted to take it to theaters, and then Transformers happened. And Transformers had an an incredible impact, but it was also a tad divisive because they killed Optimus yeah. Prime. I, that movie, Transformers came out the same year as Karate Kid 2 yeah. with Ralph Macchio. And they were in theaters at the same time. I know this because my brother, sister, and I were going to the movies – and we were given the choice, and I wanted to see Transformers, and they wanted to see Karate Kid 2. So we saw Karate Kid 2, and it was great. It was in the theaters. It was awesome. Yeah. But um, I that that just that's just why I remember that. And then when I eventually did get to see Transformers, when I when I when I stopped drooling over my glow in the dark poster for the movie that had like here's the robots here, and then you turn off the lights, and it's a completely different scene because of glow in the dark awesomeness. Yep. Um, uh, when I finally did see it, and they killed Optimus Prime. That was one of the first movies that almost made me cry in public. That was it. it, That movie and the land before time tried Mm. really hard to hurt my feelings as a kid. And it was very effective. Yeah. But, but yeah, they they killed Optimus prime and then they passed the matrix of leadership and where Al Yankovic gets to be a transformer. The movie was epic. And then sure enough, not terribly long after that, the G.I. Joe movie comes out, but it's straight to television. It was like a television event. We've talked about this before, how like miniseries and television movies were like big things because, again, you had to be there or you missed it. Yep. Right. So it was like you planned your family dinner around it. You made sure that like your friends knew you were busy at that time and you watched your stuff. Um, and then sure enough, they try to kill Duke and they were going to kill him. And you're, abs- you're absolutely right. They completely changed their mind on that. Because of what happened with Optimus Prime and the fan base. Yeah, I mean, kids were being had to go to therapy. I mean, it had it had really affected a generation, you know. And then, you know, then we get the Michael Bay movies, and it's like every other movie, Optimus is dying. But <laughs> yeah, you know, they they brought Optimus back, and you know, I think the reason that season three and four failed is because we went from this really strong powerful leader this very charismatic leader to this and and i love rodimus prime and i love the the character hot rod um but he was he had a lot of self-doubt and i know where they were trying to go but it didn't work you know as kids we struggle with so much self-doubt that i think it just resonated too much that we couldn't we we just couldn't deal with that you know the, the safety is n- move away from that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think the storylines really uh, connected with this as much. And w- 
they got rid of all the old to- toy lines. It was hard to find any of the old characters because they only yeah. wanted you to buy the new ones. You know, I know Ultra Magnus sold like crazy because you could get a white Optimus Prime. But other yeah, than that, that was, that's true. Other than that, the other characters didn't sell really well. And then they tried coming up with more gimmicks. Like we got the headmasters and then the target masters and then the pretenders where they hid inside mm-hmm. a human body or weird animal shell. And then you could bring them out. Then they'd still transform. And it just didn't work. I, the magic was gone after Optimus and Megatron were gone. Yes, yeah. Optimus was okay, but he was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that the entire show and the toy line jumped the shark with the movie. Yeah. Um, and in the movie, you're right. Uh, not only does Optimus Prime die, but effectively Megatron dies too, in a way. Yeah. Megatron is transformed, <laughs> no, no pun, he is, uh, it's more like he's transmogrified, really, yeah. um, into what becomes Galvatron. And he becomes a different character with a different voice, and yeah. well, he I mean, was... Well, he goes from Frank Welker to Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, by the power of Orson Welles. Yes. Um, so, I mean, the movie the movie was epic in, in, in the very, like literary sense of the term the movie was epic yes it made enormous strides and changes to the steer because what's interesting is that like you're right they came they had they brought this thing over from japan because it was selling like hotcakes and 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 think about how transformers fits into the japanese culture in the 80s right in the late 70s and the 80s they've got voltron and voltron has different versions you've got one that's just three robots you've got one that's like 16 robots you've got one that's five lion bots that's the one that's most that's most famous today the automobile one you've got the space one yeah I mean, yeah. it's just it's insane the the different versions you have of Voltron and that kind of breathed life into the Transformer movement as well. And then Transformers happens. Um, you're right over there. It's like Diaclone and Microchangers and blah, 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 blah. Yep. But but then they want to bring it over to the States. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to have a cartoon that's going to basically sell the toys. And it worked so well that like the cartoon itself, it started off as a commercial. You're absolutely right. But it became so, so much, much more. more. They yeah. they could have pulled a He-Man, and He-Man was another example of this, where we're going to have a cartoon, and from that cartoon there will be toys, and really it's about the toys, right? Yeah. Um, and when the the problem with that 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 you that you kind of hinted at earlier is that that means that the toys carry the show, and the toys will only be cool for so long. Yeah. Like you can only do, and, and because you have to constantly innovate. And so even like with He-Man, which was, again, um, the, the the cartoon and the toys followed the same principle of recycling, right? Skeletor's torso is the same as He-Man's torso, is the same as Man-at-Arm's Man torso, you know, and, and you can, like, the vast majority of the males, in villains and heroes, have the exact same body mold with a different paint job. Every, everyone in Eternia was ripped. You know, yeah, the, serious. The guys their just, their abs had abs. Their yes. abs had abs, and it's like, um, and, and they did that because they were they were looking for a buck. And Transformers Gen One started off kind of in that same zone where the cartoon was meant to sell the toys, and the cartoon and the toys were recycling. The cartoon recycled shots, like you were saying, like animation cells, yeah. and the toys you had, like you pointed out earlier, with uh, Ratchet and um, Sideswipe and. Iron, um, yeah. Or Iron, Ironhide, excuse me, Ratchet and Ironhide, they were exactly the same toy mold with a different paint job. Yeah. And, uh, but, but then it, it stopped being about the toys and it started being about the culture. Mm-hmm. And it, because it became a cultural phenomenon. And then the story of Transformers started to mean something. Um, it, so it kind of it moved away from the He-Man formula and got closer to the G.I. Joe formula and I think even surpassed the G.I. Joe formula. You might recall, you know, even to this day, we joke about knowing is half the battle. And that yeah. was like the end of the episode after school special Joe. message. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's they, they would be like, hey, don't talk to strangers. Hey, don't take strange pills. Hey, you know, G.I. Joe would always try to teach a lesson at the end of the day, often connected to the episode. And they were trying to like not just be a show and not just be a toy line, but actually like try to be something more. And Transformers did the same thing just with good writing. Yeah. And it well, they didn't have to show. have that. 
that corny at the end uh, thing. I mean, He-Man did it, and G.I. Joe did it, and, but Transformers did it within the story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So they didn't need those moments, and it did. It. I think that's what, you know, G.I. Joe is still around. It's not as popular. Uh, He-Man not nearly. is still kind of floating out there, but it, it's uh, He-Man's been popular. rebooted, I think, three times now. Yeah. Two or three it, times. Two or three times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Thundercats was even around in that era. It's been rebooted. Twice. But nothing has really had the staying power like Transformers. I mean, it's it, it keeps coming back. It keeps resurging. We've seen it with Beast Wars. We've seen it with Transformer Animated, which was kind of a, a cheesier, more kid version. We've seen it with... Uh, oh man, there's there's was like list. rescue bots or something. I mean, even rescue bots, yeah. I mean, there's uh, uh, even more dumb uh, kitty version, uh, which is rescue bots. You know, there's uh, let's see, were you ever into any of the alternate series like Beast Wars or see, I never got um, into Beast Transformer Wars, Cybertron or whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was, yeah, there was, uh, oh, let's see, there's the Unicron trilogy. No, hold on. I mean, I, the Transformers Prime, I watched. I enjoyed that. But I could never get into the other ones, like Armada mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. And I just... And and I know why. I, mean, I, I have them. My kids enjoy them. But ultimately, it wasn't Transformers for two yeah. reasons. Frank Welker, Peter <laughs> Cole. I mean, it wasn't... Super it just true. didn't... It wasn't... It wasn't Optimus to me. You know, uh, I Transformers Prime. I've been able to watch. It's not the same. It looks more like Michael Bay Transformers a little bit, but it's Optimus Prime. It's Frank Welker. It's Peter Cullen. Yeah. So for me, it's closer to that. It's not quite because the other characters don't sound that way, but it was closer. Uh, which you know, I, I does make me concerned about the new uh netflix one but the you know the prime wars which is the prime wars trilogy which had the combiner wars titans return and power of the primes i enjoyed that i hated how short they were but i enjoyed it again peter cullen i mean they brought back the original cast it was even judd nelson as rodimus prime yeah or or hot rod no he was rodimus um you know and, and had the original voice for starscream it had you know, Frank Walker is Megatron. Uh, had the original voice for Grimlock. I really enjoyed that because it's like, oh my gosh, it's not quite my Gen One, but it's pretty dang close, and I'm loving this. You know, um, there's there's irony about this too. The irony that a show about robots that take different shapes, the moment that it changes form into something else, it loses its magic. Yeah, there there there's irony there. Yeah, you know, and it's okay. For those people that like those other the other versions of, of Transformers, it's it's your thing. I mean, and I love that. I love the fact that that is, you know, I um I am a member of so many different Transformer boards, and I, I see people all the time. Like uh, the other day, a guy's like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my wife did the most amazing thing in the world." I was like, "I truly love this woman," and I'm just like, "What the heck?" And he's like, "So, I got to tell the story." So I got to go through this long story before I see the po- the picture of what he's talking about. But pretty much to sum it up, his wife went to a pawn shop and for 60 bucks bought this giant Rubbermaid tote. And he shows the Rubbermaid tote. And he's like, what the crap is in this Rubbermaid tote that you just spent 60 bucks on? He's like, are you freaking kidding me? You've got to be ridiculous. No one spends that much on a Rubbermaid tote. And she's like, you're going to love what's inside. And it's going to be well more worth the 60 bucks I spent. So sure enough, he opens it up, and the whole freaking Rubbermaid tote is full of old Gen 1 Transformers. <sighs> almost, I mean, they pretty much almost have every part. There's, like, nothing missing. They're in good condition. They're not, like, perfect. But And he's like, I love this woman. And I was just like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you just hit the mother load of Transformers. I mean, it's... Seriously. But this is a 40-year-old guy. You know, and I'm in. I'm I'm over forty, and I still love it. You know, I love the fact that my 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 youngest boy comes down and's like, "Can I watch Transformers with you?" And we lay on the couch and we watch the Gen One Transformers. We're not watching the stuff on Netflix. We're not watching the Michael Bay movie. No, we're watching old Generation One 
cartoons from 1984 and 85, and he is loving them. His favorite are the Dinobots. His favorite is Grimlock. And I'm okay with that. Um, but it's just fantastic. I can't hear you. You've, you've suddenly gone I know. Blind. Sorry about that. Sorry oh, about that. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, you know, I... Uh, the Dinobots were a huge addition to the show. And you brought up something just briefly about Michael Bay. And that, that does bring another question up, which is, uh, where do you stand? You know, we were, we were talking about the other cartoons and stuff. Yeah. But where do you stand on the live action movies? What's your opinion? That sort of thing. Uh, give us your view on that. I'll give you my opinion. Bumblebee did it right. Michael Bay didn't. Perfect. You hit it right on the head. In I fact, mean, you know what the difference is between the like mainline story and Bumblebee? But Michael Bay was the producer on Bumblebee, but not the yeah. director or the writer or creative influencer yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. He he was the money, and he was yep. the guy who got people into the same place at the same time, but he stood out of the way. Yeah. I I still to this day like I I can't deny that Michael Bay has been successful in Hollywood. Yes, I just can't explain why. I just don't get it. Well, I get it. He's really good at creating action sequences that are that are tense, that are explosive and filled with action. Sure. Absolutely. And that that resonates. And that's perfect for Transformers. The problem that I see is he went too far in creating the, making them look too alien. Yeah. You know? Even though in Bumblebee they're not quite Gen 1, they still look a little alien. They still look like our childhood. They still look like those characters yeah. that we fell in love with. That is why we you know, there were still some elements of Michael Bay's film in, in that, you know, where they could scan something and change into it. Oh, sure. Um, but they looked so much more like our, you know, the original characters look so much like our characters. You know, the new ones that they brought in, the triple changers that were hunting down Bumblebee, they looked a lot more like Michael Bay's things. But we didn't care because they weren't the original characters. Yeah, Bumblebee they were new. looked more like the Michael Bay one, but we were, we were okay with that because he looked like the bug. He looked well, like yeah, the old Volkswagen bug. But I mean, he looked it, close. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's interesting because in the original cartoon, Bumblebee, when he's a robot, has basically a Viking helmet and he yeah. has a humanoid face. Yeah. Um, in the Michael Bay series, I, because they are tying Bumblebee into the mainline story, um, they, they kept his face the way that it was... Oh. Yeah, that that was the, the original Bay. plan was to somehow tie that together, but that's changed. So that w officially became a reboot of the whole series. Uh, you're you're muted again. I keep doing that. <laughs> I'm so fine. sorry. Uh, I should hope so. I should hope that they do a reboot because you're right. Bumblebee the movie did it right. Um, the the one the the one beef I have with the Bumblebee movie. Is that when they're on Cybertron, they are in their earthly form. And they're talking about the war on Cybertron prior yeah. to coming to Earth. So that part didn't mesh, but they but they had for people who were, you know, um current generations of individuals who didn't live through the eighties, who didn't see the cartoon, who didn't understand the mythos, um, they they had to have a tie back somehow, right? And so well, I okay, fine. But uh, I that was that was my only beef with the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, the seekers did appear like the Seekers did in the cartoon. So, you know, Starscream and them did look like the Cybertronian jets. Yeah. Um, but I but think, Bumblebee was, I think, already a, a bug. No, and... he was he was a car. He was, he was a type oh, of car. Oh, you're right. You're right. He, he was a car. But Optimus Prime had his Earth form. Optimus uh, Prime in the movie Bumblebee was, like, completely his Earth form. Yeah, like we the... didn't see him. Uh, no, we did. We He came in kind of as a truck. You're right. Um yeah, I mean that I that I kind of let go. It, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was cool. one of those things where I was like, yeah, I'll accept it, you know. But, but the Michael still... Bay movies, the the reason the reason that I have such a beef with Michael Bay is because you're absolutely right. He is great at like he his thing is he is great at really small pockets of 
visual candy like like eye candy right he's yeah. um he's like for lack of a better term and get ready for it, trigger warning but he's like an action pornographer right like he's he his thing is he knows how to visually tantalize and please with motion like his his signature thing of like i'm gonna spin around the subject from a low angle looking up at them like he's really great at filming chewing gum commercials he's really good at like moments of drama but he is a garbage storyteller just awful in fact for those of you who might remember um on on the coattails of the relative commercial success of the transformers movies michael bay is at the kids choice awards on nickelodeon and he makes the announcement that he that he is going to reboot the uh, a live action series of films for ninja turtles and then he explains that the Ninja Turtles are actually aliens from another planet who are turtle-like in appearance, who come to Earth to defend humankind from the Foot Clan, who are also aliens. And, like, he made that pitch out of nowhere, live on TV, and then the fallout hit. Because you can't take something like Ninja Turtles or something like that has such a fundamental – it'd be like taking Pokemon. And instead of them being like these interesting creatures found in the wild that you capture in like these little mystical balls, it'd be like taking Pokemon and just making them like a rowdy zoo animal collection of just normal animals that end up on another planet where they are considered alien. I mean, it, it's completely different. You can't do that. And so sure enough, when the Ninja Turtle movie actually occurred um, – you know, people had pointed out to him, like, based on your explanation of how you want to do this, they're not teenagers, they're not mutants, they're not technically ninjas because they're from another planet, and they're not turtles. So how can you make a Ninja Turtles movie where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are not Teenage Mutant Ninjas or turtles? Yeah. And then he ended up, he ended up, like, walking that back, and then he made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles using the original formula. He's a yeah. garbage storyteller. He Which tries even too then, hard. I didn't even like. Uh, I it, yeah, it was it was it was it was it was okay at times. Yeah, yeah. it was it wasn't great. It wasn't great. The second one was better, but the first one was eh. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right, and, and that's where I you know they were stunning. They made lots of money because of that. It banked on the franchise. It banked on our nostalgia, but. I really wish they would have looked like our, you know, Ironhide did not look like Ironhide in any way. He looked nope. like he, he he was a half monkey. I mean, his face did not look. Megatron didn't look like Megatron. Megatron only... def, definitely, neither did Starscream. No, Starscream didn't, although he was an F-15 when he was finally on Earth. Yeah. Um, but the only Transformer that really held its original form, for the most part, was was Optimus. Yeah. And you know, and then we didn't even see him in the the square cab truck until the fourth movie, um, <laughs> and yeah, I just it 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 was difficult, but I enjoyed it because it it was it, you know it was Peter Cullen as the voice, and uh, you know I tried to suspend my disbelief. The second one was garbage. Um, uh, absolutely, in skids was just atrocious and devastator. I had so much hopes to see devastator on the big screen. And yep. it was ugly. It was horrible. And then to have the stupid boyish, you know, like trying to make giggly fun. The as wrecking balls. A 10-year-old ten, a boy with the wrecking balls. Like, what? Why? Because Michael Bay is a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. This is um, absolutely true. You know, financing it, helping with the shots so that it looked good with the explosions and stuff like that. Yeah. As a producer, I think he did a fantastic job. Yes, he wasn't the yes, writer or director. Uh, Bumblebee definitely hit hit the hit the right buttons. Bumblebee uh, was excellent. Bumblebee know, was excellent. It, it had all the old '80s music, which was perfect because that was the time era. We had the even little nod back to the animated film with "You've Got the Touch" playing in there. They threw in it, some Rick Astley. Yeah, it it was good. It was really well done, even though it was. A lot of humans and a little bit of robot mixed in. You know, the formula we had with the other movies instead of how the cartoon was a lot of robots and a little bit of humans. Um, so we'll have to see. I, I am interested to see how the formula for the new cartoon series on Netflix is going to work because it's going to be on Cybertron. So we're not going to have that human element. 
but it's supposed to be that the the war on Cybertron, the buildup and how yeah. that started, which we've never really seen. Um, you know, we've seen it in cartoon or in the comic books and storylines and stuff like that, but it's never really unfolded. I mean, we had War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron for a video game, which was really cool to play. Those were actually very cool. Um, so I want to. I wonder how it's going to turn out, but ultimately, what this boils down to is, I mean. Let's face it, for 36 years now, this franchise has survived and thrived because of the fans. I mean, here in the U.S., it almost it completely died out, I mean, in my opinion. It just disappeared off the face of the planet, and every now and then it would pop up yeah. and hope for a resurgence and didn't do really well. We got Beast Wars. That kind of fizzled because there was no Optimus, in my, in my opinion. We thought we were getting Optimus. Yeah. Uh, it was Aptimus or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that didn't work. Uh, we got the other ones, which were really the Japanese super god force stuff that was shipped over with uh, Armada and Unicron and whatever. Um, and that, that kind of resonated with some people, but not really. And then we got, you know, we got the Michael Bay films. We've got Transformers Animated. We got Transformers Prime. We've gotten enough that it keeps going. Uh, now we're getting this. Yes, it doesn't have the original voice actor, so I may struggle with it, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's going to be well-written. I'm hopeful that it's... I mean, it's definitely going to be darker. I know that. It's it's a war movie. It's not going to be for kids. It's definitely for the older fans, so I'm excited for it. I'll probably have to watch it before I let any of my kids watch it. Um But I'm excited. I'm excited to see Transformers on TV again. Yes, Netflix really isn't TV, but it it, it sort of is now. It's the new TV. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see where the franchise heads out. I know just recently, and maybe not everyone's aware, but WizKids just released a (gasps) series of deep cut miniatures unpainted. um, Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Megatron, and Starscream right now. That you can order. It came out uh, on the eighth of July. That you can, oh, man. you can get miniatures to paint. And I'm so I'm like, man. The, I mean, just like a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, man. I, I love painting my minis, but it would just be awesome if like if there was some transformer ones. And then I found some. So. <laughs> For those of you at home who don't know, Daniel is an exceptionally talented minifig painter. He paints. Excellent stuff. Dan, I think you should post pictures on the website of some of your best minifigs because you do an incredible job. Yeah, it's – it's you know, when I first started out, I was crappy, but I've learned some techniques uh, that have helped it. And because of those techniques, I can blend colors a lot more. And, oh, man. I remember back in the day where it was painting. I, I, I hate pewter minis now. I hate them with a passion. <laughs> I love these new resin and uh, ones they have and uh, the the plastics they have now. The paint sticks to it so much better. You prime them. I, the other day, I, I I had this mini that I, I, I wanted to paint, and it's pewter. And I got all the paint done. I'm like, all right, I, now I just need to spray the varnish on there so it's sealed. And I flipped it over, and somehow... It just got bumped, and now all the paint's gone. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I have to start oh. all over on the back. But on the plastic ones, you, that, that doesn't happen. So, yeah. yeah, I hate pewter ones. So I had so many problems. Since doing the plastic ones, painting has been so much better. I've learned different techniques. Uh, I have an airbrush. That helps a lot. But I, I may have to, yeah, I think I'm going to post some of uh, some of them on on the site but that'd be awesome i was also thinking that you and i should take photos of our coveted transformers just just the best you know the cream of the crop type stuff uh some exemplars and get those <laughs> up on the site too mine are in a glass case they are they are a showpiece in my in my basement mine are uh, in storage boxes yeah. completely the opposite yeah if you ever want to get rid of any of those, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, uh, well, I know, I know. As we wrap up then, as we wrap up, because we're almost out of time. But yes. um, that does beg the question. Yes. If if something catastrophic happened to your collection and you were left with just one, which one would you hope it is? 
So this is the, uh, I'm going to admit this. So you remember a while, a few months back, we had a big earthquake. So yeah. I was actually walking to my desk because we were already working from home at that point because um, of COVID. It was and, like just at the start of the quarantine. Yeah. And my glass cabinet is not far from my desk. I ran to my cabinet to go grab Optimus. <laughs> You're a good man. Because <laughs> uh, I have a super tall uh uh, MP version. So I was gr- going to grab him and the boxed one. Uh, and so, what does MP mean? Uh, masterpiece. So, so my, my big Optimus is actually 12 inches tall and he is awesome. huge and beautiful. His chest opens up. There is a matrix of leadership in there. <sighs> yeah. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, yes, I, if no one has noticed, Optimus Prime is my favorite Transformer of all time. And it should be. Yeah. Um, it is uh, a close second followed by Hot Rod, actually. I really like that character. Um, I like the idea of Hot Rod and, and Rodimus Prime. Yeah. Uh, same person. Spoilers. But uh, okay. yeah, uh, Hot Rod and Rodimus Prime, those were, those were interesting characters to me as well. He had so much potential. He did. Yeah. Uh, and I and I feel like the cartoon series kind of didn't do him justice. Um, no, the the movie is where he's shown best. Yeah. That that was that was where he was the best. Also, I remember watching the movie as a kid, and he drops some very mild cursing language, and I remember just being shocked that yeah. my Transformers were saying bad words. Yeah. Um, that was the other for, th- big thing is they were swearing in that movie, and I was like, what? Am yeah. I supposed to be watching this? Um, <laughs> so another thing. So I just watched. I watched the movie again last week, and uh, I never noticed this until this last week. And I've owned this movie for well over a decade. Oh yeah. That there's a scene where RC is dragging some robots in, and that cuts away. You, you see who she's dragging in. It's Will Jack. I never realized Will Jack died in the movie. I'm just like, where did he ever go? He died, and I never noticed that till now. So yeah, that movie killed a lot of good robots. Yeah. So anyway, for me, for me, my my like special transformer, the one that I hinted at earlier, um, it is still, to my understanding, one of the most collectible transformers to this day. At the time, it was the largest transformer manufactured, and it might still be. Uh, with the masterpiece collection, it's hard to say, but um, but this thing stands at like uh, I don't know about two feet tall, over two feet tall, something like that. Yes, and its initials are F and M. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, that Christmas, that same Christmas where we had like more than plenty, and the gifts were to the ceiling. That Christmas, I got Fortress Maximus, and Fortress Maximus was itself a headmaster, meaning with that head its master. head. With, with yeah, its head was a transforming robot. That transforming robot was also a headmaster, which had a smaller transforming robot for the head. Um, and Fortress Maximus was also a triple changer. Yep. And I remember I remember being a kid, and like one of my favorite things about Fortress Maximus was that his primary hand cannon, his primary weapon, was big enough that I could use it and play with it. <laughs> it wasn't meant for that purpose, but the scale was right. And yeah. I could hold it and use it for a real gun, you know, like, you know, for, for a toy gun. Um, Fortress Maximus was also covered in weapons. Like, he had weapons on his legs. He had lasers on his legs, his arms, his chest, his waist. Uh, it, they were everywhere. He had his little shoulders. compartments. His shoulders. Yeah. He had little compartments where you could store other smaller robots. He had other, like, car-like vehicles that were, like, yeah. his his minions and things like that. It was a huge – he was a he was a Transformer and a playset. Yes. And um, – which which was that, – that sort of uh, used Metroplex as the springboard for that proof of concept. Yeah. I never had – I never had Metroplex. I remember crying in Toys R Us begging my mom to get me Metroplex, but I never had him. But then – Later on, Fortress Maximus happened, and I got that from Santa, and life was good. Yeah, uh, I still, I still have Fortress Maximus in the original Styro, nice. in the original box, with all the original parts. Well, I mean, you, you didn't miss out on much. Like Metroplex was cool, but you could only put Bumblebee in him. You know, yeah, yeah. smaller. Was, I feel like he was more of a proof of concept. Yeah, I mean, he was really cool. 
Um, but you know, compared to to Triptychon, he wasn't that tall. I mean, Triptychon You're was right. bigger. Uh, right. But even Triptychon was kind of hokey too, you know, with the robotic legs and dunk. Uh, and Scorpinox, eh. Scorpinox was fun to play with, though. He was fun. He was, but Fortress Maximus was awesome, you know, and, and it was cool. You know, Cerebro was the robot that transformed into Fortress Maximus's head. But, you know, like you said, and Spike, Cerebro, Spike, and it was Spike Witwicky was his head. Yeah. Um, you know, and even if you, and if you got the RC. Uh, headmaster you know his son daniel was her head um so it was really interesting there was a lot of weird stuff they tried doing and and i get that you know if you haven't seen the headmasters they show up at the very end of season four which then you know it died off here but the japanese continue that so you can still see the headmaster series but it's all in japanese it's not english dubbed i wish they would I actually thought the headmaster move was a good move. That was a great move to like make a symbiosis between the transformers and the humans. But it it just, it didn't do well here. Um, You know, I remember when we got the, the power masters, you know, Mm -hmm. they had uh, power master Optimus prime, but it was really just them re-showing the old gen one cartoons over and over. uh, What Optimus prime related old war stories to this boy that he held in his hand. And, Oh yeah. I remember that now that you mentioned it. Yeah. And, you know, the Power Master Optimus Prime, I had him, just wasn't that cool. It, no. it kind of lost its its umph. He, he just didn't look that awesome. But, you know, I, I'm glad Transformers is back. It, it, ha- it, it, does, it, it, it has a place in my heart, just like Star Wars does. Uh, you know, Alton isn't with us tonight. Um, he didn't feel like he had a lot to say about Transformers, which is okay. It was after his time. Uh, it was before his time before his time he was born after its time yeah there we go yes uh but that doesn't mean alton is not any less more awesome because you've gotten the good plenty of awesome gaming rules from, from alton oh uh and there's so many more cool things to talk to him about so we need to wrap up so i'm gonna quickly uh, do this we, we got a couple of good shows coming uh we're gonna be reviewing the cult classic Kroll, the movie. Uh, we talked about that. We're going to be bringing author Michael Haspel back. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to be interviewing author R.A. Salvatore, talking about his new Dritz novel, as well as his uh, Corona series. And we've got some other exciting shows coming your way, so continue to stay tuned. Let us know anything you want to hear. And with that said, we'll catch you next time. And always remember, internet, to be epic, don't suck. Until that day, till all are one.